podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The best day of the season, a brilliant day out in the sun at Wembley with mates, family, United fans, beer and the football of course ruined it. United finished the 2017-18 season trophyless, potless with no successes and a second place finish in the Premier League. Progress, of course, great feelings and memories, few and far between. We talk an FA Cup final that left a lot to be desired, decisions that make us scratch our heads and discuss Jose Mourinho's second season in charge of Manchester United. As well on Series 3, Episode 32 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, we have our regular youth roundup as one youngster pens his first professional contract and an under-20 side lift an international trophy in the Netherlands on Monday. Jack, um, plenty of questions that have, have clouded United's season all throughout the campaign and uh, were evident again in the in the cup final. The the most prominent one is how the season faded away, the most relevant one. But then there's also questions over the style of football and why the team has to go behind to start playing properly. And we saw that again against Chelsea in a, uh, a bitterly disappointing day, but not really a surprising one at all. Yeah, I think the game was almost like a, a microcosm of our season in a lot of ways because it kind of summed up the problems that we've that we've been having and how we've had to play for the last three or four months, it just does seem that we have to go a goal down before we actually start playing properly. And to be fair, in the second half, we weren't terrible. We didn't create nearly as many chances as we should have, considering how deep Chelsea was sitting. But we did have the chart have a few chances here and there. We weren't amazing, but the first half was terrible. The first twenty twenty five minutes, we just looked like we had nothing going forward at all. Every time Hazard got the ball, he looked like he was going to create something. The decision to put Herrera as almost like a a, a hybrid centre-back, centre-mid, I couldn't tell whether he was actually in a back three or if he was man-marking Hazard. He sometimes seemed to man-mark Hazard all over the pitch. Other times he'd pass him on to whoever was near, wherever Hazard was making a run. It just it seemed to be no no clear plan from any of it. And it really did just kind of sum up our season. It was boring football. It was a game where we had to be up against it before we started playing well. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it ended up with us coming out of it with nothing, despite maybe seeing some signs that we might be getting back into the game in the second half. And it really did kind of sum up our season. It's, it's not surprising not to see kind of a, an attacking structure to the team. There's a, there's always this thing about Jose Mourinho's teams um, not giving his attackers any freedom. And that's everyone says, oh, it's stifling Marcus Rashford, Martial, even Pogba, Lukaku. I, to be honest, I think they have far too much freedom. They've they've got complete freedom, and it it's they're so free that they're they're shackled by by the the lack of structure that Mourinho gives them because it it does seem to everyone watching United, whoever they are, whether they're United fans or, or rivals, that. There's no, no one really knows what they work on in training apart from defence, and that that's so evident. And and the biggest problem we have is there's so many obvious things. It's that when United start on the front foot and do go ahead, it's it's almost impossible for United to lose. We only lost. We no, in fact, we only dropped points. We only failed to win twice after taking the lead this season in the Premier League at Stoke City and Leicester, both of which were for various reasons, not really because of mentality. United, as a team, as a club, to be honest, in history, are always best when we, we go and attack sides from the off. And that has been true this season as well, but we don't go for it. And what, I think the thing that really annoys me the most is that we, we completely failed to 
utilise a run of really easy games at the end of the season where second place was virtually wrapped up and in fact was completely wrapped up with a, a dull nil-nil draw against West Ham. We had three easy games against Brighton, West Ham and Watford, three teams that have struggled with relegation. And we didn't really prepare ourselves for our biggest game of the season. And that goes for the way that Mourinho set up the team, the players he played, um, not adjusting the team to suit Marcus Rashford's style, not having a... T- I don't think we played that team at all before the cup final. Those players haven't played together. And, and to be honest, it looked like they hadn't played together, any of them at all, let alone just that team in particular. Exactly. I think if Mourinho knew from the moment that Lukaku went down and it, and it became relatively clear that he wasn't going to be able to play in the cup final, if Mourinho knew that Rashford was going to be the one playing up front, why wasn't Rashford given given the three or four games since Lukaku went down? Uh, to play every single one at striker. I know he didn't have a good game against Watford, but at the end of the day, the game against Watford was not what we were planning for. The game against Chelsea, the FA Cup final, which had the potential to really define our season to, in, to a large extent, that was what we were planning for the whole time. And in that case, Rashford should have been given every single game between when Lukaku went down and the FA Cup final to play at striker. Because like you said, we had a second all but wrapped up and did have it wrapped up after the West Ham game. And yet... Rashford, as soon as he as soon as he has one bad game, gets taken out of the lineup, and then that's it. Um, then we n- we never play in this system until we get to our biggest game of the season, and we play it. And Rashford looks like someone who's only played one game at striker in the last eight months, which is exactly what he is. And we can all moan at Rashford as much as we like, and he didn't play well, and he hasn't played well when he has been given the chance at striker. But when you are only playing one game there every yeah. every season, you're not going to be able to play well there. It takes some adjusting, takes some time to get used to. I think the other thing, like like you said about the freedom that a lot of our attacking players have, they do have a lot of freedom. And in some ways, I think it, they have too much freedom because Mourinho, Mourinho's sides in general, and we've said this before on this podcast, they don't have a massive amount of sort of attacking game plan. He's always relied on individuals and it's more just go go and show me what you can do. And at other clubs, that's been fine because the individuals have been good enough to get him out of holes in a lot, in a lot of cases. You look at all of his title-winning sides, had people like Drogba, like Lampard, like Ronaldo, uh, like Hazard in his second spell at Chelsea. Really, the only, the only team that he had that didn't have a bona fide star like that was the Inter teams. And he really built those on uh, Diego Melito having an amazing season in the Champions League winning uh, Champions League winning year. And I just, I, although we do have some great individuals, I don't think they're quite at the point yet where, left to their own devices, maybe they're good enough to single-handedly yeah. win games. In apart from some very rare exceptions, like we saw with Pogba against City, and we we don't have any any game plan going forward, and it's costing us because when we do go down, we have to go gung ho. A lot of the times this season it has ended up working, but it's not been because we have a clear game plan all the time. It's just through sheer volume of the amount of attacks we have, and there's a if you if you're having fifty attacks a half, you're likely to get a goal eventually. Yeah, very true. And we've we've struggled to win by more than one goal recently. Even even our best games, great comebacks: Arsenal, Palace, Chelsea, City, all great games. We won by one goal, and even against poor teams, winning by one goal, two goals at a push. We haven't had a, a convincing victory for some time. I, I just think it's mental that, because even in those three games, even if there is a hope, and I think there was, I think people expected Lukaku to be fit for the cup final. I think that applies to United. I, I, I'd be surprised if that didn't apply to United as well. But even if there's that hope that he, that he will be fit for the cup yeah. final, 
We know how to play with Lukaku up front. We've done it all season. You can easily recalibrate back to, to playing for a Lukaku striking team. But what we haven't got used to playing with is a different kind of striker in Marcus Rashford. And Rashford and Mourinho had time to adjust the team style to, to suit a different type of striker. Three games. And maybe because we played Thursday and then Sunday, then, all right, maybe Rashford doesn't start one of them. But that's two games in which you can change your style, adjust yourself. And, and it showed because Rashford lacked the discipline required for, for a really good centre forward like Lukaku showed when he came on. That sometimes moving less is more important. Less movement means more even. Because Lukaku can sit in the box, lay it off, and there's his moment for the game. He'll have less touches than Rashford. Rashford will get the ball on the edge of the box. It's exciting, yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. And Rashford was too often found drifting onto the touchline. Um, he only had four touches in the box. Martial had more when, when he came on. Um, and Martial wasn't even playing up front. And it's just that, that heavy, kind of dull end to the season after the Arsenal win that seems so pointless. We could have been properly chasing down the cup final gaining momentum but not just gaining momentum but preparing the team tactically and in terms of personnel for the cup final and wouldn't do it and Rashford spent as you said two seasons primarily playing on the left or right wing he needs he needs time to to regain his rhythm as a true striker he needs help as well he started six times up front this season is it that surprising that he had a poor game in the cup final no I mean he should have done better yes he had a chance he had two chances um, a couple of shots on target should have been much better um, he's lacking confidence, he's not playing as well as he should do, but he needed help to to put in a, a, a cup final winning performance and that was not present from, from Mourinho. Yeah, I think I think a big thing that kind of need needs to be talked about more is that I, I think there's a there's a, a general trend in uh with fans at the moment, not just of United, but just fans in general of trying to pin the blame either entirely on uh on managers or entirely on players. And you have to realise that it's, it's it's a partnership, you know? Managers can only do so much from the sidelines and players can only do so much on the uh, in the 90 minutes. It all happens as through a partnership between the manager's tactics, the manager's guidance, and then the players p- both putting in the work and training during the week and then producing during the 90 minutes. And as much as we can sit here and say Mourinho's tactics were bad, he should have prepared better, which all of which is true, Rashford sh- still should have played better. But having said that, like we said, Rashford can't play can't play at his best at striker when he's only being given six opportunities every season. Most of which he isn't likely to do very well in because it's his first game playing striker in months, and then he just doesn't get another chance. That you know we have to plan better, and then the players have to produce better. It's not all about the players. It's not all about Mourinho. And I think there's something that it's just at the moment in the United fan base, there's a very toxic attitude and a very big split between. It's almost just been split into it's Mourinho's fault, it's the player's fault, and there's no in between. And I think we have to realise that there definitely is an in between, and I think it's the right place to be because Mourinho has a lot to answer for for this season, but the players also should be with the guidance they are getting because you know let's not pretend like Mourinho's doing nothing on the sidelines. They should be able to play better than than they have, and when they get the opportunities to show what they can do individually, like Rashford with his chances, like Pogba with the header, like Alexis when he gets the ball in good areas, they should be showing their quality in those, at those periods. Yeah, certainly. There's always that thing where if we'd won the cup final, season's good, not great, but good, and that memory will last a lot more than any kind of style of play will. Even if you have a, a brilliant, brilliant side, if they don't win a trophy, you kind of you'll have some kind of nostalgic memory about the way that your team played, but 
it's not the same. I I mean I will I will always remember us winning the FA Cup but when being there when Rooney lifted the cup under Van Hal. That season was terrible. It, it I mean it was shocking some of the football we had to endure. I think we went eight games without winning. We, we didn't score in the first half at Old Trafford for 13 consecutive games. Terrible season, but I'll always remember that day out when we beat Crystal Palace at Wembley to win the FA Cup. So it would have glossed over a lot of things, but we haven't won it. It's it's a season of progress, but there are there are so many issues. And then you you think, well, would a cup final win have really... It, it's that issue where winning a trophy is brilliant, but would a cup final win really... Would one game make a season good? And no, it wouldn't. But it does because it's a cup final. If you don't win that final, then you've you've got to come under fire. Mourinho has got to come under fire because things haven't been good enough and things haven't progressed as much as as you'd hope them to. And it's just weird decisions within within the cup final itself. What whatever is going on with Eric Bailly is complete mystery. He was injured, and then Mourinho said he's now fit, and then he was ill. And then he said he wasn't playing players who, who had a chance to play in the World Cup, but then Phil Jones started the FA Cup final. It, it all just seems odd. And it's frustrating because he's a Mourinho signing. He's our best defender by far, and yet he's not starting our most important game of the season when fit. Yeah, the, the whole the whole situation with Bayi is crazy, to be honest. And I, I don't really know what, what's going on. I don't really know what the reason is for why he hasn't been playing, but... Whatever it is, in the most important game of the season, you put your best team out. You know that's first and foremost. That is what the manager's job is. And to be playing Jones and Smalling when a Jones and Bay or Smalling and Bay partnership would have to every single person who has watched United over the last two seasons knows would have been a much better choice to go at centre back. It just doesn't make any sense to me. There were some some reports after the game that. Uh, the reason why was because Bailly said he was sick. I can't remember which game it was earlier in the season. Said he was sick sick before one of the games and then reported for training the next day. I don't know whether that's true, but if it is, it seems like a very petty reason as to why you would leave him out for pretty much every game in the last two months and then for the biggest game of the season. And Mourinho can say that it doesn't define the season all he wants, and I get where he's coming from. But like you said, you remember those moments I remember that Rooney lifting the trophy in the Van Hal season because it is just a it's a great moment even though the season was terrible and because of that 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 season under Van Hal is probably more memorable than this season was and the same with last season too winning the Europa League all right coming second and getting 81 points is much better than finishing sixth and getting 60 odd or whatever it was that we got last year but we had that moment of winning the Europa League last year that I will remember I'm not going to really remember anything from this season Maybe other than the City game, which and all, all that did when you put it in context was just stop them from winning the title by twenty two points instead of nineteen. You know, it's we we have to remember that like this this game was massive. It was by far our biggest game of the season, and from it it seems like Mourinho is prioritizing proving a point to Eric Bailly over actually winning the FA Cup, which is just ridiculous. It also seemed very out of character for Jose Mourinho, who is a man of pragmatism, of, of playing the odds and not one of sentimentality or letting personal matters get in the way of winning a fight. He is he is the master of finals, but he wasn't on Saturday for a variety of reasons. And the team section at the start looked, looked pretty positive, but there's always going to be questions in hindsight. And the United midfield was, was so deep. And, and you mentioned Herrera on Hazard, the confusion of roles, and to be honest, the the main issue which has, has been prevalent all season on our crossing is 
absolutely woeful. Um, and you can see why Mourinho wanted a right winger in the summer. You can see why we need some new left backs and right backs. Because um, we could not beat a first man at the corner, a free kick from any kind of cross. Ashley Young tried about 50 of them, maybe three or four came off, which is a, the case every game. And that's why he's seen as a good crosser because people get on the end of his, his 40th or 50th cross. But we haven't got a great crosser in the squad apart from Romelu Lukaku, who kind of needs to get on the end of them. But the crossing is, is a huge issue. Yeah, crossing is massive for us because we seem to just want to do it so often. And like I said, our crossing is pretty terrible. I mean, when it comes to set pieces, it would help if we didn't have a different person taking them every single time. I think during the FA Cup final, we had Young, Rashford, Martial, Alexis all take a corner or a free kick during that game. And I get that they all maybe can produce good things at different times, but... Surely it makes more sense to have one person designated as the free kick taker, the corner taker. Sure, you're going to have a different corner taker for each side if that's better. But it makes no sense to be switching and having four or five different people taking a set piece in the, in the same game. Like, there, there just seems to be absolutely no point to that. And again, it just comes down to planning. Sure, the, the players should, should recognise that during the game. But that's the kind of thing that you sort out beforehand. And that has to come from the players and Mourinho. And it is... And it, the thing is, it just disrupts the patterns from corners every single time because no one really knows what they're, where they're supposed to be. No one knows what's, what runs they're supposed to be making. It, you know, it, Corners can often just look like they're a bit of a free-for-all, but the teams that have the most success from corners plan what they're going to do from them. They plan where all of the runs are going to be made, and it makes a big difference. And that, and you know, we saw in, in the, the one corner that did have good delivery, Pogba got about 10 yards of space and missed the header. Um but that was really the only time that there was any kind of good delivery for the entire game. Uh, and also, on that as well, I just want to say that as much as we want, didn't want Fellaini to start that game, unless he was injured, I think the, the decision not to put him on the bench was pretty strange, to be honest. Because and I, I was glad that Fellaini didn't start because that would have been the complete and utter wrong game plan to go in with. But like we've always said... What is Fellaini best at? He's best at being a plan B so that if you're one goal down with 15 minutes to go, you can bring him on and you can start putting balls in the box and he'll get on the end of them. We saw it against Arsenal recently. He's done it plenty of times in his United career. And we did lack, lack that at the end because we just kept pumping in cross after cross after cross after cross. And the only person who was in there who was really capable of, of getting any kind of purchase on a header was Lukaku, who A has just come back from injury, and B is only one person. So as long as Chelsea were marking Lukaku, that, that was it. And I just don't understand why we've persisted with Fellaini for so long. And the one situation where he actually would have been pretty much the perfect player to bring on, he wasn't even in the squad to bring on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the only positive you can you can think that would come out of him not being on the bench is it might be an indicator that he's leaving the club. And as much as I respect what he's done. Yeah, and reports seem to seem to suggest that that's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And as much as I respect him as an individual and the effort he's put in and the and the determination he has, um it would be it would be a good a good a good point of progress if Fellaini were to leave. Um although it's slightly embarrassing. In fact, very embarrassing and wrong that Mourinho thinks he can be the future of United and, and is desperately trying to get him to sign a new contract. But it seems like he will leave and, and that is a positive for progress. And on on that matter, transfers. In fact, we'll talk transfers after a youth update, but I, I guess uh, the final point to be positive 
is the last time United finished second in the league and lost the FA Cup final the same season was um, 1995 and Sir Alex Ferguson ripped up the squad that summer and promoted the class of 92 and won the double 12 months later and no one thought that was possible so the the thing we were saying I was talking to my brother after is that United could win the league next year and that is what's so ridiculous about this is that we're we shouldn't be close but we are and I think that that's part of the issue that's kind of holding us back is that we're so close despite being bad that we can't we can't really truly develop but we'll talk about that when we when we talk about transfers and who we want or at least what positions we want um but in terms of a youth update Ethan Galbraith has signed a professional contract with United he joined the club about 18 months ago the northern irish midfielder signed a pro deal he made 15 appearances for for the under 18s as they won the under 18 premier league north has had a really good end to the season and and has been impressing in midfield and in bigger news United have won the ICJT tournament um after a 1-0 win against Real Madrid in the final in the Netherlands they travelled there i think on saturday and play two days of games and Mason Green with the 16 year old in an under 20 tournament was named player of the tournament scoring three goals including the winner in the final and the semi-final in the semi-final United beat Red Bull Brazil 1-0 as well so Green with a 16 year old playing against players three years older than him managed to be named player of the tournament which is a testament to just how good he is um, a, a very wide range wide ranging squad United took to that with elder players like Tahith Chong Callum Gribbin and then much younger ones like Mason Groomer too, who was the youngest in the in the setup. Now, uh, Jack transfers. Um, we were talking to them about before before the youth update about Fellaini. What's your dream? If you, if money's no limits, the amount of signings no limits. Not in terms of specific players, but where do you think if we could improve any amount of positions, we would have to improve? Because for me, it would be the dream would be two centre backs. Get rid of Smalling and Jones, cut our losses on that. Um, because while they are sometimes great defenders, it's just time to move on from both of them. Not that I can see any of this happening, but two centre backs, get rid of Smalling and Jones, two centre mids, get rid of Fellaini, a right winger, and two full backs. Obviously, the more realistic scenario is slightly different, but for you, um, what well, the the dream kind of set of signings? Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with that. I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I think it really is that it is the two centre backs, I, I, basically an entire new back four. <laughs> effectively, is what we need. Um, maybe maybe one of the centre backs, <laughs> yes. if we were to sign two, would be um, you know a younger a younger player who would maybe be behind Bailly. But then two new starting full backs, at least one centre mid. Yeah, uh, exactly. And maybe if we were to sign two again. Maybe one could be a younger sort of development prospect who could sit behind Matic for a while. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think Matic needs to be replaced now. But like yeah. we said, in the very near future, we're going to need an upgrade, and so it's good to start thinking about that now. And then a right winger. I think right winger has to be very very high on our priorities list because we have about eight thousand left wingers, um, and still, as we haven't for the last three <laughs> four seasons, have anyone that can play right mid. Um, on on the right wing and the person that we did have who played there at Dortmund Mkhitaryan either wasn't played there or when he was played there didn't really play very well Uh, and obviously now is not at the club so right winger is very very high on the list of priorities I would say I don't think that we're we're that far away from having a great squad it's just that I I think a lot of the a lot of the players that these signings would potentially be replacing are 
I don't want to say so bad, but the players that would be replacing them are so much of an upgrade that it changes the squad so much. In terms of actual players, yeah, I think if you went a new two new fullbacks, one new a new centre mid, a new centre back, and a right wing, I'd say we're we're halfway there currently in terms of players. But the the other half of players that we still need would be such a drastic improvement on what we have now. It's the the difference in class between our best players and our worst players who start regularly is massive. Also, if you, if you think about how Mourinho is playing this team, let's not argue for it or against it, just accepting that we are currently quite a defensive team. With four pretty poor defenders, and they have their qualities, as our starting back four, Valencia, Jones, Smalling, or Lindelof, rarely by at the moment, and either Shaw or Young, not that good defensively, any of them, um, even though some of them put in great performances from time to time. With that setup, we managed to have one of the best back four records or the best defensive records in Europe with Mourinho. So if you then put, if you then invest a lot of defensive quality into that team, you're looking at probably the best or second best defence in Europe in terms of clean sheets, performances. And yes, that, that that means you're sacrificing a style of play that most United fans want, but that is the reality of the situation. So if you do what Guardiola and City did last summer and it, and spend 100, 200 million on your defence, suddenly you've got a team which is pretty unbeatable. Um, and it's pretty people, wild concept, isn't it? That a lot of money and good coaching actually improves the team. Yeah, shockingly. <laughs> but... Then you've still got those worries. You've still got those worries over scoring, and not scoring, but doing it at a consistent level, having contributors from all over the team, not just Romelu Lukaku, who we've relied upon a bit too much, as we did with Zlatan Ibrahimovic last year. Um, you've still got those worries, but the the more realistic scenario is is a couple of centre mids. If if Fellaini goes a right back, it's looking likely. It looks like Marina's gonna gonna stick with Ashley Young at left back and I'm, I'm hoping Luke Shaw stays and is I think Mourinho would actually like him to stay and still give him a few more chances I don't think he'll Mourinho will end up giving him enough chances to prove himself I think he'll end up leaving on a free or for a small fee next year but I think we could see Luke Shaw staying as an understudy possibly even third choice which is ridiculous for a player of his quality to Ashley Young or someone else um but yeah, as you say, right wing is a huge priority. I mean, you look at the cup final, Rashford's drifting over to the right. No one's there. Then Rashford's in there. Valencia goes up, got no one to pass to. Herrera comes over. Then when they break, Hazard goes and counters. And um, we're, we're so open. Hazard, who, who was fantastic, to be fair, which I forgot to say earlier, showed what we would we would dream for from Alexis Sanchez next season. But yeah, we well, have and, got... And you, you could see in the cup final that... It, not having a, a right a great right winger or having someone playing out there who likes to cut in field isn't necessarily a huge problem, but it is a huge problem because the player who then takes up that space in Valencia just isn't yeah. good enough going forward to make up for it. You know, we had a lot of success there when sort of when when Mata had his best performances for United when he started out on the right wing, but then he would drift inside and end up playing number ten. But because at that point it, Valencia or whoever it was that was playing at right back was a bit better going forward. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't such a huge deal, but with the way that Valencia is now, um, when he has the ball, it, it just creates such a massive gap in our team and we just can't create anything down that side. Yeah. Also, going back to, to the dream scenario, in terms of centre-backs, you, you would hope for Eric Bailly 
issue to be resolved and for him to be United starting centre back, one of the first names on the team sheet next year, as he should be now. Yep. Bring in a new, very good centre back, which I think is, is very likely. But then you've got the returning Timothy Fossimensa and Axel Twanzebe from loan. Axel Twanzebe could go out on loan again next season. Fossimensa's potential right back is all I was saying. Um, to come in and, and it could we could well see a mixture because I think he will invest at, at left back. At, uh, sorry, I think he will invest at right back, but then I think we could see a mixture of a new right back and Timothy Fossimensa with Valencia pushed down the order significantly. But then Axel Twanzebe is likely to go out and loan again, but then if he stays, there could be chances for him if we get rid of one of Smalling and Jones, which I don't think will happen, but I think should happen. But yeah, th- there are young players coming through who deserve a chance. And Andreas Pereira likely to come back from Valencia or will come back from Valencia. Hopefully won't leave. He could do with chances and can play on the right. But yeah, there are young players coming through who need a chance as well. I think Fossi Mensah out of the three you mentioned is the, is the big one for me. Uh, you know, Twanzebe had some good performances while he was here and has, has done okay at, at Villa. But I don't think he maybe is uh, he's at a standard now where he could come in and start. Um, but Fossi Mensah has proven, well, he's at Palace that he is ready for the Premier League. He's been one of Palace's best players all season. He's proven that he is a great defender. He's very comfortable on the ball. And he, he never really put a, put a foot wrong when he was playing for us. He had maybe one bad game that I can remember. Um, and he was, he was very, very good whenever he played. He is definitely a candidate to come in. And definitely, I think, at least at the, at the very least, give Valencia a run for his money for the um, starting right back. Or if we do bring in someone else, to be kind of an understudy, uh, play that sort of understudy role. And he can also cover centre mid, although that isn't his preferred position as well. But you know how Mourinho likes his versatile <laughs> players. Yeah. I think it's really important that we are trying to trying to incorporate as many of the young players as we can because we do have some very good youngsters. Uh, and to, a lot of them are out on loan, which isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's better for them to get experience, especially in Fossey Mensah's case, playing in the, in the Premier League rather than just sitting on the bench uh, every United game every week. But it's important that when they come back from loans, we're then actually putting them in the first team and giving them the opportunities and not then just trying to ship them out on a permanent move. Yeah. I think in terms of um, just going back to sort of dream dream scenarios, I think one person that I would really like us to um, to try and bring in is Matthias De Ligt, the centre-back from Ajax. He, I remember watching him for the first time in the Europa League final last year and, and he was brilliant. I've watched him a few times this season just because I wanted to see how he was doing and every single time I watch him, he's brilliant on the ball he's a very very good center back defensively and we've spoken a lot about how annoying it is that none none of our defenders really are capable of playing out from the back and he would really give us that because I mean with his quality on the ball he could play anywhere across the midfield but he's great defensively as well and I just think he would be a, a brilliant sign and he's still I think only 20 21 years old I can't call who I'd want I've, I haven't watched enough European football this season to call who I want because it's unlikely we'll we'll push for that many moves within the Premier League because it, that's that's more rare. So I, I'm not going to give a name, but I do hope we're not just going for ready-made footballers, which could easily be the case with Mourinho. I don't think we should move for Willian, even though I think he's a good player for reasons of age, consistency, the fact that there could well be better options out there and better investments out there. I hope we're not just going for players we consider to be ready, world-class players because United has never just been about that. Yes, there's been signings of Berbatov, Carrick, players like that, big money signings, which we've gone for, but there's also been signings of Cristiano Ronaldo, Van Nistelrooy, Rooney even, 
um, players who you take, Evra Vidic, who you take, you improve and then become the great players in your side. And that's the only way that a football team can really progress. Yes, Real Madrid, even Real Madrid, the, the team with the Galacticos, have players like Marco Asensio, players who they buy like Isco, who aren't ready-made, who then develop, even Sergio Ramos, who develop into the great teams. And that's what United need to do. We can't always be focusing on the ready-made world-class players. So hopefully there's some in investments rather than just purchases, who we then who we then would have faith with, as we should be doing with, with Anthony Martial, but could well be leaving in the summer as well. I think that's a great way of putting it, as investments rather than just purchases. Because that is that is exactly what we need. We obviously we're in sort of, to sort of steal a phrase for, from the NFL. We're in win now mode in in some ways. You know, we do want to be creating a team that is ready and set up to to be fighting for the Premier League now. But as Mourinho has done at so many other clubs, we don't just want to be focusing on the here and now. We want to be planning for the long term. And, and to be fair to Mourinho, quite a few of his signings have been have been relatively young, um, but some of them haven't been and. And that's fine if, if it's a few players here and there, but it shouldn't be an entire squad of you know, 28, 29, 30-year-old players. We need to have a good, a good balance. And this summer, we do need to buy some players who can come in and, and be world-class or close to that level straight away. But we also do need to be signing some players like Martial in that kind of mould where well, or either that or uh, promoting players in the academy where we can develop them and sort of mould them into the players that, they, that we want to be. And when, when the, those hopefully very good older players that we sign are sort of getting to the point in their career where they need to move on, those younger players who have been sitting behind them for a few years will be able to come in and sort of fill the roles really, really well. Yeah, definitely. Right, we should, we should wrap things up there. Any last words on transfers before we do? No, nothing from me. Just uh, excited and interested to see where, uh, where we might be looking in terms, of, in terms of signings. We'll see what happens over the yeah, summer. Yeah, obviously World Cup year. And the Premier League transfer window closing before before the football begins, which is for the first time, will be interesting and, and is already yeah. open. And there's rumours that United want to have two deals wrapped up within the next two weeks, um, which would be very refreshing to see rather than some deadline day action. And it, it, it will be really weird starting the season with no transfer business going on. I, I can't tell whether it'd be nice or slightly concerning um, when performances aren't going that well. If, if that is the case, but it, it will be strange. Anyway, um, this is probably the last time we'll speak to you before about midway through the World Cup, maybe after the group stages of World Cup. So thank you for listening all season. Um, it hasn't finished in, in the glorifying way we'd hoped it would, but progress being made. You would say things can only get better, but after recent seasons, that's not the case at all. But things should get better. And hopefully we have a successful transfer window and hopefully we do wrap up a few signings before we next speak to you halfway through the World Cup, um, which should be brilliant as well. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter for your musings over transfers and Matthias De Litt? <laughs> I'm not sure how, how great the musings will be, but it's at UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at, at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself are updates about when we'll be back and other things at at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Have a great start to your summer. Um, enjoy the start to the World Cup. Enjoy the, the silly season of transfer windows and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.